What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? I'm good. You? Yeah, not too bad. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you well and good. Merry Christmas, brother. Merry oh, Christmas to you too, Dave. How are you doing? I'm I'm really good. I'm really, really good. Yeah, it's been uh yeah, it's been quite a productive day. Uh actually it's been quite a productive month and year, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean you've had a bang up of a year to like if I'm being honest, Scott, you make me feel like I don't do enough. <laughs> yeah, but you're always up and down them towers, brother. You're making sure that people are staying connected. So <laughs> your job is uh, quite an important job. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's not it's not easy work. It's not easy work. Oh, right, listen, some of them photos you send me, brother. Wow. It's like no way. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not scared of heights, but yes, Rob. What's that? Hey Boston, what's going hey, on, you fucking What's up, the tower? <laughs> hey, we missed you. We missed you on the Zoom podcast, man. I'm happy to hear from you. What's going on? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Going a bit rough. Right. Right. Right, that's better. Right. How you guys doing? No, you're good. What no, you're good. Dave? It just went a bit echo. It might be my end, but you're good now, brother. What's up? Can you guys still hear me? Yes, mate. All right. Yep. Well, what's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 43, the Christmas Eve extravaganza over here at Wise Guys Hideaway. Uh, I got my two local scumbags, well, not local, but I got my two <laughs> brotherly scumbags back with me, fucking Lynn and fucking Boston Rob. It's good to get back to basics, fellas. I, I loved having Casey McBride on and a big shout out to him for coming on and uh, even, even taking time to talk to me. Uh, oh, and another big shout out to him for his... He did an opening score for Wise Guys Hideaway. I got to figure out how to upload it onto Anchor, but it's fucking gorgeous. I loved it. It's the nuts, and it? It's fantastic. I love Casey's work. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a hell of a dude. Uh, you guys want to go around the table and give shout-outs to whoever you guys got a shout-out to, and then we'll get into this? Go on, Rob. Uh, yeah, let me give a shout-out to everybody at America Social Club, National Crime Syndicate, Classic Gangster Society. Uh, shout-out to Nev Morgan. Sarah DiPaggio, Mob King. They got a uh, movie they're filming in January, so there's going to be a Mob King movie coming out soon. Wicked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to back up um, or second, obviously, all of Rob's shout-outs, so going through them again. Um, I want to add Seth, Sofranti, Christian Cipollini, uh, Scott Bernstein, which I know that no doubt Ian will call out, but also Gangster Profiles, who's now called Gangster Files, Joey down at Gangster Files doing some wicked stuff down there, as is um, Bad Guy Profiles. Uh, sorry, yeah, Bad Guy Podcast. Say hello to the bad guy. Um, but also someone else that I've noticed doing some great posts on Instagram is uh, a guy that's from the UK called Organised Crime Shorts. Um, I don't know if you've come across him, you two, uh, or you, Rob, at least, but he's doing some great stuff, on uh, as, as is you, of course, on Instagram. Yeah, that's what's up. Uh, I'll have to look into him. Yeah, he's got some good stuff on there. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go ahead and just jump in. And uh, I mean, I, I can pretty much only second everybody you guys already shouted out. You know, shout out Sierra DePazio. I really appreciate that guy. Once again, shout out Casey. I appreciate him being on here uh, last uh, last week and doing uh, my first Zoom with me, him, and David. David, I appreciate you for hosting. Uh, that, that was wicked. I really enjoyed that. First thing my mom says to me, right? I share the video. My mom goes, you the one on the bottom? I go, yeah. She goes, you're doing too many drugs. <laughs> I swear to God, this first thing she said to me, she's like, you look strung out. I'm all like, thanks, ma. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> so on, that, on that note, a shout out to my mom. Love you, ma. No matter how many drugs I do, I always love you. Uh, you know, I just want to say Merry Christmas to all you guys, man. Everybody in the group, uh, everybody who's doing their own thing, Brett Giuliano. Uh, I, I forgot him a couple times, you know yep. what I mean? So, James Ramirez. Guys, yeah, James Ramirez, uh, Vincent Aperol, all, all the boys, man, all the guys over there at our thing, Clothing Apparel, Ronnie Cockroach, David Randazzo from Grand Rapids. How you doing, brother? Uh, I mean, yeah, just all the boys, you know what I mean? Just, uh, I hope everybody has a good holiday season, a happy new year, and I hope 2021 is better than 2020 was. So, uh, and, what do you guys got today? Do you know what? Actually, before we jump into that, Ian, what we're going to do today, I just want to say that would we be doing this if it wasn't for the situation that we was in? And I wonder how many people have connected um, uh, in different ways around the world and all because of lockdown. So 
as much as it's been negative in a lot of people's lives, I think there's also some positives to take forward and ones that I think that we should keep taking forward. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the hideaway would be nearly as like I don't think I'd have nearly as many episodes as I did. Yeah. As I do. Yeah. If you didn't have me. Oh, if, yeah, yeah, if I didn't have you, Rob. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have both you guys, man. Like, if you guys want to finally come on board, like, I was gonna get sick of doing it, like, by myself, just like kind of going over a monster every episode. It was kind of getting tiresome. Like, lockdown, I feel like it really threw you guys to where, like, you didn't have any more excuses. You weren't like, oh, I gotta go do this, or oh, I gotta go do that. You're like, all right, I'll help you. <laughs> no, I love doing it once, guys. I love it. I look forward to it every week. Yeah, me too. I appreciate that. So do I, because you don't really got to come here prepared. You just got to come. You know what I mean? Exactly. Go on, Rob. Um, this was, yeah. Today's show is obviously Rob's idea. So, Rob, do you want to kick off? Yeah. Yeah, it's all you, Rob. Yeah, today we're going to go into um, the Family Secrets trial. Oh, uh, Frank Calabrese Sr., Frank Calabrese Jr., Nick Calabrese. Um, the story of them, for those of you who don't know what Operation Family Secrets was. It was an investigation by the FBI into mob-related crimes in Chicago. It was actually one of the most successful investigations in organized crime uh, history that was conducted by FBI or any law enforcement agency. But um, it was named Family Secrets because of Frank Calabrese Jr., um, son of Chicago mob captain Frank Calabrese Sr., he actually uh, testified against his father and, uh, you know, got his father put in jail for life. Um, it's a little different than other cases we have, like of um, Sonny Francis' son, John, where he, um, you know, he ratted on his father just to get out of the trouble. He was in Frank Calabrese Jr. He didn't want out of the trouble. You know, he was in jail. He didn't, you know, he didn't want any time off his sentence. And I don't really believe he got much off it for doing it. Um, he didn't want any time off. He just wanted, you know, to keep his father locked up because his father was, you know, fucking psycho. Mm. Well, I mean, I've, I've um, as you two guys know, I've done quite a lot of research into this because the story is actually included in the book that I've got coming out. Hopefully we'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, I I come across some research, which was an interview with Frank Calabrese Jr. And he talks about his childhood and, how abusive and controlling his father was. And I think that Frank Jr. was, um, and, I, and I think regardless of the life he'd already led and the life he was grew, he grew up in, was still quite young and naive at the time. Um, and the reason why he was, he was young and naive was because of the control his dad over, uh, had over him. And um, did you know that he he was setting up on his on his own? He was setting a business up by himself. He'd owned some Italian restaurants. He was dealing in cocaine. This is Frank Junior. But then um, he managed to finance it by stealing money from his dad. His dad had some money about just under a million dollars hidden in the wall. Uh, behind the wall in his grandmother's basement and Frank Jr. was taking $50 notes from it every now and again so he could finance what he was doing. And then his dad found out about it and he took everything away from him. He took the restaurants, the house that he had bought, everything off of him. Uh, and then he, if I remember this rightly, he, he, his dad then called him um, to have come and have coffee, coffee with him, but it took place in the garage, in the, like the garage of the house. And he's like, hold on a minute, what's this about? And his dad put a gun in his face. And it's like, uh, just, that's the sort of guy I'd you're dealing he, with. Yeah, he told him, I'd rather kill you than have you be disloyal to me. Exactly. And I, I, where I think he was young and naive, and I totally agree with you, Rob, in respect of when he turned to the FBI, it was his only way to get his dad off his back. He wanted to get out. And he, if, if they both got out together and he told his dad that he wanted to leave the business, his dad would have killed him. Simple. Plain and simple. So the only way out for him, but I think what he didn't realise, and, and this, I would say, shows how sneaky the FBI are, um, that uh, when he agreed to wear the wire 
speaking to his dad in the exercise yard in the jail they were in. Was it Milan prison, I think it was? Um, back in, yeah, in Chicago, uh, Detroit. Back in, yeah, back in Detroit. Yeah, back in- um, the, uh, they then had, the FBI had probable cause to get a wiretap for anybody, and they wiretapped every single one of Frank Senior's visits with whoever. And obviously, the more information they got, the more probable cause they had, the more wiretaps I was able to put in place. So it really was a case of the domino effect. And I don't think that Frank Jr. really believed that that was going to be the case. And I think what you have to do is you have to look at his uncle and Frank Sr.'s brother, Nick. Now, that's a different case entirely. Yeah, Nick Calabrese, um, the brother of Frank, you know, he didn't want his nephew in that life. And there was even uh, several occasions where he helped uh, Frank Jr. out so he didn't mm-hmm. have to do anything. I-, I don't remember who it was, but his father ordered him to, to uh, do a hit on someone. And, um, you know, you could tell Frank Jr. didn't want to do it or whatever. And his uncle knew that. His uncle stepped in. Is he that, oh, that second yeah. one? Yeah, it possibly, yeah. It was, it was when uh, – I believe so. It was, I think uh, Nick Calabrese dropped his gloves at the scene, unless I'm thinking of another one. Um, and that's what, in for, that's what made him start. He wanted to get caught so he could start um, uh, collaborating with the authorities, didn't he? It was um, Frank Jr. told the FBI to reach out to his uncle, I believe. And uh, I think I seen something where Frank... Uh, Frank said that because he knew that his uncle would be open to flipping. You yeah. know, he knew it was something his uncle would do, and, and his uncle did. I mean, he's on, yeah, but he's- so is it was it because uh, Golden I'm sorry, David, but I, I just got because I don't I don't know as much about uh, the Calabrese as you guys do. Was this fuck? It was Frank Senior that fucking Listen, crazy? Was he like it, that? Ian, Frank Senior made Greg Scarpa look fucking sane, and he made <laughs> v, uh, he made the chin look normal. Um, yeah. oh my God. He, he probably <laughs> covered every, you know, the DSM manual, diagnostic and statistics manual, the psychiatrist Bible. Um, he probably yeah, he yeah, more yeah. than likely covered every di- uh, uh, diagnosis in there. I mean, he was he, he was proper switch on the knife edge. Oh man, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go diving after this. Keep going, you guys. Keep going. I'm just gonna have to go like deep looking into Frank Senior. I never I've heard about him. I know some of his bigger like you know claims to fame, but I, I didn't know he was that like loose hinged. I didn't know he was that you know off the wagon. Yeah, there's a couple of good documentaries um on them that you can see. And Frank Junior uh, speaks a lot of them. I mean, I don't you know I, I know he's a rat and I know how everybody feels about rats, uh, including myself. But you know Frank Albert Junior, he's really a good guy. I yeah. mean, I've spoke to him on several occasions. He always reaches out on my birthday and says happy birthday. He's, you know, he's, he's okay with me. He's really a good guy. He's, he was like, you know, John Guy Jr. He never wanted to be in that life, you know? Yeah, just kind of got sucked in and like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it, it was him. And, and he really wanted out. But his dad was no way on this earth going to ever let him leave the business. He, he tried to when he was younger and his dad caught him. And, and when he had that gun put in his face, what would you do as a son? I mean, uh, and it's not just as any normal son either. It's someone that's in the life. So you've, you've not only got the loyalty of blood, you've also got the loyalty of, well, the so-called loyalty of, of the mafia behind you as well. So it must have been pretty difficult for, for Frank Jr. And, and, in respect, and in respect of Nick, um, like you say, Rob, that uh, 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 Frank Jr., knew that if he reached out. And I think that was the protection that had that he had over Frank Junior. And, and that was more to do with blood than it was to do with the rules. Yeah. And another thing, Ian, about uh, Frank Senior is when they got busted in, uh, I want to say, July 1995, um, you know, both Frank Junior uh, and Senior arrested along with Nick and um, I think uh, Frank's other son, Kurt, and uh, they were in- indicted for intimidation um loan shock and uh loan shock and record that they had run but anyways this is the kind of father and the kind of psycho that frank senior was he wanted his son to take the blame and do the time he said i'm an old man why don't you take you know you do the time for me say it was all you and then that you know couple hundred grand you stole from me we're even you don't owe me anything 
uh, what the fuck? And his son refused to. His son refused, and I, I don't fucking blame him. Right. No shit. Yeah, I don't blame him. What are you stupid, dad? Like, it's like when you take the, when you take the rise out of someone when they like they get a uniform on and they think they're somebody because they get a uniform. Frank Calabrese Senior was like, "I'm the father. I'm in the mafia. I'm in the outfit. Therefore, this is how I need to behave." And, and it was as if he, he I mean, if you, if you kind of look at it another perspective, he was exactly what you would expect someone in the mafia to be. On one hand, they're charming, but at the drop of a hat, right. they're going to shoot you in the, in the forest. Right. And, I mean, yeah. And, you know, without blinking about it, without even thinking. like. And while they were in jail, Frank Jr. and his father made a deal like to wear um you know, it was Frank Jr.'s idea that they were going to leave the mob behind. They were done. They had put in their years. They've made the outfit millions of dollars. Let's walk away, enjoy life and all that. And the father agreed with him and said, yeah, like, let's let's do that. That's what I want to do. You know, we'll do the sentence and then we'll ride off into the sunset together. But it, Frank Jr. found out that it was all bullshit. His father was still running his crew from uh, jail. He was still involved in all kinds of rackets. So when he found out his father lied to him and you know, had really had no intention of leaving the mob or letting him leave the mob. That's when he decided to reach out to the FBI. And uh, he wrote them a letter, and that's how it began. And it nearly didn't happen. Because um, uh, when they was on the exercise yard, Frank Jr., obviously was one, Frank Jr. only recently had a tattoo. And his dad asked him to show him the tattoo and went to lift his shirt up. But Frank Jr. managed to drop his shirt back down and that was from the words of frank jr himself yeah he had a couple uh close calls about that where because he it was it was a, a tattoo of um you know the united states and it had prison bars over it with hands coming out and it was basically frank jr designed it himself it, it was basically saying um you know here in america you're yeah. free but you're not free, you know, and uh, everybody wanted to see the tattoo. And so there was a couple of occasions where, you know, people came up to him and said, hey, let me see the tattoo. Why are you hiding it? Blah, blah, blah. And he'd say, oh, I can't, you know, I'm going to get in trouble if I show it. And uh, luckily he worked for him because every time someone asked him to show it, he was wired yeah. up. So he couldn't lift up. His and shirt. I think that on its own goes to show how young and naive and manipulative uh, or, or open, if you like, to manipulation from the more experienced FBI into doing something that he probably wasn't aware of how far it was going to go. Because he, like you say, he just wanted to take his dad out. Um, and that was it. That was his sole purpose. But once he had wore that wire and gave them probable cause, that was it. They, the, the doors were open. And, and as I say, 1998, they began the investigation. They didn't, what was it, 2005, they put the um, indictments in. So that's seven years worth of investigations they must have had some information well i know they did because i've read quite a lot of it <laughs> um on 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 the whole of the family i mean it was incredible the stuff that they were finding out and obviously it was a 43 page and yeah that's a pretty thick jacket right there that's a lot of fucking that's a lot of writing in the way frank jr got his father to talk was um you know, it's kind of genius because he knew if his father suspected one thing, he was dead. Um, so he would say to him, he, you know, he, he would say to his father, he goes, you lied to me. You told me you weren't, you know, doing stuff anymore. You're doing it. And he and he mentioned like what he heard he's doing. He's like, oh, yeah, but I'm only doing that because or I'm only doing this. So he, he that was his way of getting his father to admit everything. And it was the same thing with the. Um, with a murder that uh, Frank Sr. had done. I believe it was a woman that was murdered. And uh, Frank Jr. asked his father if he had anything to do with it, and he said no. And then he said to his father, you know, you told me you had nothing to do with that, and uh, you did. And he goes, no, it wasn't me. It was, and, mm. you know, he went whoever it was. And, you know, that's how he kept getting his father to spill spill everything. He, he um, I love the story that, again, um, Frank Jr., um, discusses in an interview he gave where he uh, he was 12 years old and it was when the Godfather come out because Frank Senior was a mate of Gianni Russo um, who obviously played Carlo Rizzi, uh, the Godfather's son-in-law. And uh, they were, um, Russo was on the TV being interviewed obviously about the Godfather and he pulled out the knife uh, 
and said that he was given it by a made member of the Mafia. And Frank Senior turned around and, to his son and said, I gave him that knife. Um, and apparently even um, in one of the tape conversations that Frank Senior and Frank Junior had, they were talking about uh, how the Mario Puzo's account of the initiation ceremony was bang on. And it was only someone that had gone through the initiation ceremony that would have known about it. Uh, and yeah. Frank Calabresi like, basically agreed and, and said it was only a made man himself that knew what he'd be talking about. Yeah, and I mean, when they were indicted, it was, um, like I said, it was a 43-page um, indictment. But during the trial, it was uh, 125 different witnesses that testified. They had over 200 pieces of evidence. It was just it was just massive. Um, Joey the Clown Lombardo got caught up in it. A lot of guys, um, was it James Marcello, Joey the Clown Lombardo, Paul the Indian Chero, Anthony Tuan Doyle. Um, Frank Sr., obviously. Rob's got this one on lockdown. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's an interesting topic. You know, like Dave and I have done quite a bit of re- research on it. It's a, um, it's an well, interesting topic. Chicago, no, you, guys, one of my you guys got this like the Westies or something like that. Like, I can't even get – I don't even know what to say. That's why I'm just sitting over here just, well, just listening, you know? Yeah, but now you don't have to sound like when we talk about Detroit. You know what I mean? For me, I mean, yeah, because it's yeah, a Chicago sure. outfit, I mean, I, I love researching about the Chicago outfit anyway, but it's the most successful. And, of course, I, I for National Crime Syndicate, I interviewed um, Elaine Smith, who was the handler of, um, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I've got his name now. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um, the, they also, um, he also helped to bring down the, uh, uh Chicago outfit and obviously was also involved. Oh, please think of his name and was also involved with the family secrets trial. So, um, it's been something that's been quite uh, a subject that's been one of my favorites, actually. And as I say, it's something that I actually um, do write about in the story that I've got coming up in Mitzi's book next year. Yeah, speaking of that, I need to get that crazy motherfucker Chicago Red on here, man. He, uh, he, he, like I said, he apparently had dealings with Spilatro. If, we're talk, Spilatro. if you're talking about Red, he, uh, he we talk- met. Is that who you mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I actually yeah. talk. I discussed him in the story as well, Ian. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in contact with that guy. He, uh, he said I've been on a podcast with, with him and Gary Jenkins talking about, um, again, okay. talking about the story that I'll be writing in Mitzi's book. Cool, I'll say like a proper plugger. All right. Um, it's about the Marlborough Diamond, so uh, it's the full story behind the Marlborough Diamond that I'm including that is in the book. Well, shit, you're going to do another one with them over here at the hideaway where we just talk Chicago oh, I love shit. Chicago stuff, brother. I love Chicago stuff. And, of course, I've, um, I, I interviewed um, uh, Anjali Bianca, uh, or Bianca, she likes to be called, who was a member of the Latin Kings who were down in Chicago. There's uh, uh, oh, Mob Dub Inc. Um, with um, Dame Dylan Music. Uh, he's down in Chicago. I mean, it's just, there's so many links back to Chicago that um, it, I, to be able to have conversations with people over there, I need to be up, up on my sort of Chicago outfit knowledge. <laughs> but you can tell I'm quite Yeah, passionate. no, I mean, Chicago's <laughs> five hours away. Five hours away. Yeah, I, I can tell you fuck with Chicago. I don't know. Maybe it's just my love for the Red Wings and my hate for the Blackhawks that I don't I don't like Chicago well, as much. much. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> respect yeah, you don't like the I don't I don't really like any of their teams, really. I'm from Michigan, man. We just don't do it. They're five hours from me. It's never really been – I mean, I guess New York's five hours for me, too. I'm right in the middle. But I've never seen New York City. I've been to Chicago. You know what I mean? We've got we've got a game against the New Orleans Saints for a must-win game. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. You're uh, my grandmother. Oh, that so was her favorite team. She liked Wait, it because of the house. Two of us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
But no, uh, you guys continue on the Frank Senior thing. I just had to get a couple words in. Otherwise, you know, they're gonna forget that you know it's it's the hot, not the fucking David and Rob Chicago hour. But go on. When are you guys when are you guys jogging on? I don't know what I'm talking about. On point. on uh, you know, as a result of the the family secrets uh, trial, um, Frank Senior. Uh, was sentenced on January 28, 2009, to life in prison. He was um, 71 years old at the time. The judge called his acts unspeakable. Um, you know, it, he was uh, convicted of 13 murders, maybe maybe more, I want to say. Uh, his brother, Nick, got sentenced to 12 years and four months in prison. Um, you know, he got time off because of his, um, his cooper- cooperation. Because... Frank Senior, Frank Senior was also responsible for the murders of the um, uh, ones that burglarized Tony Ocado's house as well, wasn't he? Um, who was it? Uh, yeah, he was- John Mendel uh, and Michael. I know it's Bones. Uh, Michael Albergo. Albergo, Albrego. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I knew he just. Uh, yeah, they burglarized his house. All right. <laughs> I got a question, boys. Would we say that Frank Calabrese Sr. is equal to a mad Sam DeStefano? Because that's got to be the wackiest motherfucker I've ever read about. Well, I would say Sam's a little fucking crazier than... uh, Mm. It's close. close. Don't forget, forget, Frank Frank Sr. also killed Tony Spilocho and his brother. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what, what I know saying. him for. I mean, that's so exactly what I know him for. He's but... um he he's got to be right up there with one of the um yeah he's got to be one he's got to be right up there. That's ruthless. Was he less rapey? Because that's the only reason I can't get into Mad Sam too much. Just because like I mean you're like a serious you know rapist, what? man. I don't, I don't fuck. Yeah, yeah, he was. Sorry, well, I I'd say he was because of the the, the no. personality that he had. Yeah. Ooh, he had uh, quite Calabrese. a controlling personality, and I could deal him with with prostitutes yeah. and being right in control and quite violent. I, I can easily see it. I'm not saying he was, but I, I can see it. Yeah, but you could see. All right, all right, fair enough. That's a good assumption. But I would definitely put um, Mad Sam, um, you know, a little above him, just for like you said, the rape, the rape and shit. Like uh, one time, the guy who owed him money, he fucking tied him to a chair, beat him, and he had his whole family uh, come for a fucking dinner, and he wheeled him out like that in the fucking, you know, in front of his family, wheeled him out all tied up and beaten. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying, bro. It's like you hold a gun to somebody's head to rape your wife. Like, Mad Sam takes it for me on the crazy level for mob guys. I don't know. The cop's coffee when they came to his house to talk to him. He was like, yeah. oh, oh, oh. I don't know. DeMeo just killed and cut up a bunch of people. I think he wasn't raping and pissing in people's guy, paying somebody to rape or not paying somebody, but like putting a gun to some guy's head to rape his wife to teach her a lesson. That wasn't DeMeo. He just, he was a serial killer. DeMeo has probably got the well, most bodies, well, I would think. Well, I would think, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's got to be, gotta be behind, Frank Behind Kuklinski, has got the most bodies. I love that part about where Kuklinski says he killed Carmine Galante and DeMeo was outside in the getaway car. Get the fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Oscar the Grouse was I in the bin. I could buy that. <laughs> I could buy Kuklinski killing Galante and Roy DeMeo being in the car more than I could buy Frank Sharon being who killed Crazy Joe Gallo. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, but like, it at least at least makes a little more sense. Anyway, we're getting off topic. I think what's amazing have... is all business, though. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't exactly, he wasn't, like, exactly. What he did was business related. Uh, and what? God, sorry. Yeah, it was, but he wasn't. No, you're good. I just said like it was gruesome. He was not a pleasant figure to come across. He's he honestly probably killed more people than Mad Sam, maybe. But did like who who did more devastating, like traumatizing, like detrimental things to people's psyches? Probably Mad Sam, tenfold. And tenfold. And, um, there's there's one thing that is towards the end of, uh, and it's something that really does stick to me uh, or stick with me um, in Frank Junior's um, interview. Uh, as he was leaving the courtroom after his testimony, 
he said that he started crying and he was stopped by an FBI agent and they said, like, are you okay? And he went, no, not really. He said, I've just realised that's the last time I've ever seen my dad. I mean, that, that for me really yeah. does go to show that how, how torn he was between who his dad was who, and, and who his dad become and what he had to do to get away from his dad. But did you know that Ian as well? This this might um, up Frank Senior in your eyes slightly, but uh, he's not allowed. He wasn't allowed any visitors, um, nor was any contact with any other prisoners, um, and that's only been reserved God for damn. serious terrorists and obviously serious ki- uh, uh, and serial killers. So he's up there. He in yeah, in God respect damn. of the prison regime, he's right up there with the very very top. Yeah. Of those terrorists and serial killers, yeah, Ted Bundy like, and he's yes, like, Bundy, he's right up there. Ted Bundy, yeah, Ted Abu Hamza, yeah, Osama bin Laden. I mean, that's that's the level we're talking. This yeah, guy is yeah. sort of being held at. No, 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 he that, died Christmas Day, didn't he? That's why we're is doing the show. Alive? 2012, wasn't it, Rob? Yeah. Oh, oh duh. Yep. Yeah, tomorrow in 2012. Senior. Okay, so tomorrow, 2012, senior dies. Uh, junior's yep. still alive. Junior's still alive, yep. Yeah, he's living out in, uh, I believe, Arizona now. How much <laughs> we got to pay him to come on here? <laughs> I could talk to him. You know what? I don't, I don't think he'll be a scumbag like that and hit us with a high. Definitely not. He's a celebrity. Guy, like, he's more a celebrity than, what's his name? DeBone or whatever yeah. his name is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame anybody for charging money to, uh, you know, get an interview. It's what they do for a living now. I understand that, you know what I mean? But the way they, some of them come, come about it as like, you know, with like that other guy, he's not going to download the app until he gets the money. Like, come on. yeah, come on. You know what I mean? Like, at least download and, the fucking you know app what? if you want to do it. Something you know else with I mean? Frank like, Jr. as well um, that he said about, um, he, in one of his books, he's put that about, he's pragmatic. If, they, if people can kill presidents, they can kill me. Nobody's invincible and completely safe in today's world. <laughs> and I think that's quite a little link back to um, JFK as well, I think. I'm going to have to read his book, and then, Rob, you talk to him and see if he'll come on here and just even talk about just his book. We don't have to go into nothing crazy if he doesn't want to. If he'll just even come on and talk about his book, like, I'll read his book, and I'll still, fucking he, download it on he Amazon. He still regrets right? his yeah, decision yeah, that he took. He still regrets it. Yeah, yeah, that's about I, I think because of the way it turned out as well. Out. But um, like I say, I think the evidence, it's not normally what someone does, it's what they do following what they do, what they've done. And it's it's like he didn't go out party. Yeah. And he, it's like, do you know what I mean? He still talks about his dad with the utmost respect, but in a, in a, in a quite restrained way, but um, because of that was the relationship that he had with his dad um, because of the way his dad was. Um, it was more his dad than it was Frank Jr. Uh, and Frank Jr. was nothing like his dad. You guys put him up there with a mad Sam to stop it. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dig deeper into this guy. I knew about him and the Spilatro brothers. Like I knew that he would, who he, who had taken them out. Uh, I know that he fucking he. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that he took over a lot of Tony's income from Vegas once he did kill him. Don't know how true it is. Once again, yeah, and a lot, but, a lot of what we know about that hit comes from yeah. uh, Nick Calabrese. Okay, well that makes sense. Then. That makes perfect sense. I I thought Coladas who always gave us that shit, but like I mean that makes more sense. Actually, there is. I mean, and obviously because, um, and this is one thing that I, I've loved about the, the Operation Family Secrets because it was such a large, um, important investigation. The FBI made a lot of noise about it, so there's a lot of information available for anyone researching it. Um, there's a hell of a lot of info. You might have to um, get used to a few keywords and and have a little sort of mess about a bit. But once you get into the links, there's some incredible information out there on it. And it's, and it's recent as well. So, um, oh, uh, of course, there's, there's still information being added. Um, but the information that's out, and it, if you like, because of um, what it was and the amount of wiretapping mm-hmm. they'd done, you kind of believe everything. Right. I mean, modern, modern day and age, it's like, I don't know, it's, 
it's getting harder and harder to fake shit, and it's getting easier and easier to just record people or just like tap people. See, that's the problem you know with, I mean? like, with, with families. They get to know everything. So when it's a family upon family upon, yeah. I mean, you, you, when it's family upon family rather than family uh, uh, loyalty in respect of like mafia family, but when it's family family, they're going to know absolutely everything there is to know. So oh, if yeah. they flip, boy, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, and they were a very close family. Um, there was the house that Frank, uh, senior had owned. It was like you know, it was a three-story, three apartments, and um, you know, Frank senior and his family were on one floor. Nick Calabrese and his mm. family were on another floor, and I believe their parents were on again. The other I, floor. I think that was something more to do with Frank senior's control, no, I, and he, he, I, I would have thought it's more to have them close rather than they wouldn't be close. It's, I, uh, I 100%, 100% agree they're with trying you. to get away from because him, aren't they? Other, so they're not going to live in the room, not under their own yeah. regulations, that's for sure. Yeah. Because his other kids got involved um, in it too. I mean, he was... He, he was... Hey, sorry about that, Paul. That's right. Crack on. Yeah, no, continue on. I'll just I'll tie them together. Uh, yeah, Frank Sr., um, he was married to his first wife, the divorced. They divorced in 1984. And... Um, he had four children. Um, I, I don't know if Dolores was Frank Jr.'s mother or not, but I know the other children came from uh, his mistress um, from New York, a Cuban mistress. Uh, that was a long-time mistress. Um, they had four children. He had four children total, Frank Jr., Kurt, Nick, and Emilio. And uh, Nick was, I believe, the only one who wasn't involved in the, uh, the family business because he was, he, he was a lot younger than his uh, brothers were. Yeah, I, um, I, I think you're right, Rob, on that one. No, I was going to say earlier that uh, as far as, like, your family, family turning on you, I will say the people that it would freak me out to see the most in the courtroom, like, on the other side being, like, just who's testifying against you would either be, like, one of my three sisters or, like, my little brother, most definitely. That would be – I'd be like, fuck, I'm going away forever. And Frank seeing you had his brother and his son. Was <laughs> <laughs> that. Yep, you done. You gone. And then, yeah, gets, but, and then he yeah. gets banged up and is never allowed visitors. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fucked. That is really, really fucked up. That is wrong. Uh, do I don't care how bad somebody is. Like, I, I don't even, I really don't even care if somebody's a terrorist. Like, you should monitor, like, monitor their visits real well. You should search them thoroughly before and after, whatever you got to do. But, like, you should still be allowed human contact that once a week or once a month or what, like, whatever. That's fucked up. That's Have no you heard Ian, have you ever heard of um, Article Biz 41 over in Italy? The no. um, the rules and regulations that the prison system in Italy allow to hold mafia members under. It, you, I, like, I, honestly, it is mental what they're allowed to do. Or, what, or like, what, what the are, prison system are allowed to do. That is not what the prisoner is allowed to do. The prisoner is allowed to do nothing under this. Yeah, piece, you're, under, you're under, the expert in this subject. What are they allowed to do? What are some of the things that they're allowed to do? Um, breathe, um, sleep, eat, uh, defecate. Uh, that's about it, brother. They're, 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 vi- they're virtually in solitary confinement. They're hardly allowed any um, communication with the outside world. Um, they're not even allowed to see their lawyers. I mean, it, it stinks. It, it's just literally being put into a box. Um, and uh, whether or not it actually happens with the amount of corruption that goes on in Italy, who knows? But um, you should check it out, Article Biz 41. It's, it should be online. No, I yeah. Have to, yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. And they it's, did that for a reason, because Frank Sr., you know, he kept proving that even from behind bars, he was still going to c- continue to uh, commit crimes. And so he lost on his own. There was, there's a story about um, he collaborated with a uh, prison chaplain to uh, get a violin that was hidden in a house in Wisconsin. I don't really know the um, the story behind the uh, violin, but obviously it must have been worth money. Mm. Well, they, they, they learned from years back. I mean, it was, um, I think, 1880-something over in Sicily, in Italy. And anyone that was being convicted of any crime that was considered organized crime, um, obviously, the mafia was kind of still in its early days back then. Um, 
they they used to um, say for argument's sake it was someone from the Camorra, and they'd get put on the west coast, uh, uh, sorry, north on, on the east coast of Italy, and not only would they be banged up in prison away from where their families are, they'd also be made once they're released, they were made to live in that area. So obviously that grew the mafia quickly. I mean, it, it just grew exponentially in prison. Um, and then once these guys were getting out of prison, they were in new areas, they were connecting with their own, which were mafia members that they got to know that they were in prison with. So obviously that is why they introduced these rules and regulations in the Italian prisons so they could carry on um, displacement, um, it was called. There's one of the dogs out. Um, it was called displacement. And, and they used to – so if they do that now – um, and they keep these guys in solitary confinement, then obviously there's no way that they can communicate with anybody about anything. So they can keep their old rules and regulations of being able to displace people and keep them in solitary confinement so it doesn't affect the local community or the local society upon their release if they ever get out. Yeah, that's... Uh... I mean, as much as it's like, yeah, that's true, and I got, I'll give it credit where credit's due. It's still fucked up, man. Yeah, and it don't make you no better, and it don't make you no better than they were. Everybody, no. That's my biggest problem with everybody is you want to take somebody who does something. Yeah, the FBI, the FBI, the mafia, were badges from them. Oh, same fucking thing. And the only difference is that someone's got a license to carry the gun, and someone hasn't. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's a good difference too. But the only difference is one just spends all my fucking money. The other one, at least, like. I mean, like, they both take my money, right? But one person at least looks at me and goes, hey, if you want in on this, I can make it to where you can make a little bit of money too, or yeah, just give me the fucking And then the other one's like, hey, we need this for education. We need this for roads. We need this for bullshit. Michigan roads still suck. Our kids still don't know how to fucking read well enough by ninth grade. Where the fuck's the money going? You exactly. know what I mean? Like, just fucking just tell me. Tell me I'm being ripped off. That's what I always liked about criminals. That's what I always admired about gangsters. Hey, it's a jack move come up off it. It's like, oh, see, that makes sense. See, if you want something from me, just do what he did. Just rob me for it at that point. Like, <laughs> for real, don't tell me that, like, oh, we're going to put it into education. We're going to put it into this. We're going to put No, you're fucking not. You're going to put it into the war on drugs. The war on drugs, the losing dr a war, by the way. Like, and like, yeah, man, it's just bullshit. The, gov the government in general pisses me off. That's why there's an anarchy symbol on my elbow when I do a fucking podcast about gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, wow. man. Like I, I just, I just need honesty. I just want somebody to be like, "Hey, here's what we do. Here's, here's what we're go. doing." You know, like, yeah, here's the rabbit hole. Here it is. We found it. You thought you were gonna get away from <laughs> without me going on a rant, bat, psych. Let's talk about my book that's coming out. Well, not my book, but Mitzi's book. No, Paul. Uh, yeah, go ahead and start, Chef. I'm drunk, you guys, so you guys are going to have to take oh, this no. over. No wonder we cut off halfway through. <laughs> at, at least it's new. It's past noon. Christmas. But, yeah, <laughs> so um, in July uh, 15th, 2021, um, the book is available on Amazon um, as an e-book and also as a hardback, and it's obviously available on Kindle as well. But if you check out the best new true crime stories, well-mannered crooks, rogues, and criminals by Mitzi Zaretto. Um, there's going to be a story in that that um, yours truly has wrote. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, do you know what, mate? I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed that um, I've been able to get uh, a story included in a book like that because in, yeah, in, that's awesome. in her previous book, which was, um, let me get this right, The Best New True Crime Story, Small Towns, uh, Christian Cipollini was in it. And as you know, Christian Cipollini is someone I very much look up to. So to then follow him in a book is just, ah, oh, mate, it's just just immense, absolutely immense. And that's the best well, thing for me. I, we go through this podcast a lot without mentioning the fact that you already have a book out. I mean, can you plug that one real quick for everybody? Well, Father like Son. Yeah, Father Son yeah. is out there. Um, but it, it was really a first effort. I was under a lot of um, pressure at the time. And so yeah, the, he was. the grammar involved, it, it needs to be re-edited. Um, but I haven't got the um, the actual book itself. That that I um, Someone paid me to write it, so the book really does belong to them. So, um, hey, well, I mean, still, I still want any and all of your work. 
to be promoted on the show. You work fucking hard, bro. You work really, really fucking hard. You write more than anybody I know. Yeah, I read it. It's a great book. I, I highly recommend it. Thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate that. I, I, I wish I could do it all over again. But at the end of the day, it's also something that um, I can kind of look at or look back to and think, okay, fair enough. But I, I did it. So, yeah, um, it, I'd rather it be slightly written differently. However, it's still out there. I still got a former prisoner um, who used... Um, the power of a prison education to be able to turn his life around. And I've got a book published, so I can't really complain. No, you can't complain at all, man. If you ever hear the old Richard Pryor bit about Bill Cosby when, uh, when uh, Bill Cosby would tell all, I mean, it's really ironic in this day and age, but when Bill Cosby would tell all the other uh, African-American comedians to not like swear or use profanity or whatever, where Richard Pryor is all like, well, did they laugh? Did Bill get paid? Well, then tell Bill to have a Coke and a smile and shut the fuck up. That's what you need to do. With That's what you need to do with that book. Did you Did you put your name out there? Did you get work? Did you even get a little bit of money for it? Yeah, well, bro, then it's, a, then it's a win-win in my book, bro. You did it. Well, like, I mean, like Rob says, if you, you can never lose. You either win or you learn. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yup, he, he really takes credit for that one. Who said that to you? Well, right? well, I, know, no. look, I know it's a it's definitely, quote, but it's it definitely, it's my attention. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely not my quote, but it's uh, it's a true statement in my... Uh, it's the, in my well, you were the first person to use it in the, giving me advice, so boom. <laughs> well, because no, I made, I made a lot of fuck-ups. I made a lot of mistakes, and I've learned from them, you know what I mean? So. But that's what you've got no, to do, isn't it? That's, they're not mistakes, then, are they? They're like lessons. Yeah, opportunity. exactly. There are opportunities to learn. I mean, I, it took me years to learn who the fuck I was. So, um, yeah, mate, it's uh, I, I, mistakes. Mistakes make you; they don't break you, or they can. But oh, absolutely! Every time I ever hop on an episode of this, I'm like, that was a mistake. But people seem to like it. <laughs> Rough and ready. I mean, Why not? Why not? I know the feeling. We're not exactly royalty, are we? So he's like, we can get away with shit like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not some high to do. I don't have a degree. You're not going to come to me looking for actual advice. Back to this book I was talking about. <laughs> there you, go. Know, there you um, go. Take it. Yeah, the, the story I've got in there um, is the story of the Marble Diamond. Um, and the guy that took the Marble Diamond was also a, a guy that was mentioned through the Operation Family Secrets trial because of the role that he played. Obviously, I can't give too much away yet. Um, because right. of the role that he played in the, I suppose, what you'd think of Murder, Inc. in New York, you had the wild bunch for the criminal, uh, for the for the Chicago outfit. And my man was part of the wild bunch. And, uh, and you've also got, um, of course, there's La Pietra, and La, La Pietra is a major player um, in my story as well. But there's quite a few twists and turns. And, and I think there's going to be some added information that people may not have thought of before. Um, and that could be that did they come to London to get a different diamond? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> But yeah, as I say, it's, yeah. it's, it's available on Amazon. Um, Mitzi Zaretto is an absolute incredible editor. I've learned so much from her. Um, I'm actually in the middle of writing a new submission for book four, um, which uh, is the deadline for that's in February. So, um, and, and but I, I'm, I'm really confident about this one as well. I think this one that I'm doing now is one of the best, if not the best thing that I've ever written. And that's because of the excellent tutorage that I've had from, from Mitzi Zaretto. So that's why I'm so keen on um, screaming about her from the rooftops. Mitzi, edit my Columbine book for me, please. I'll pay you. <laughs> I'm serious. Well, we weren't doing like, this in, in my next bio, because um, obviously you have to write an author bio with each story you submit. So in my next one, I will on this one, I will mention about Wise Guy Hideaway podcast. I appreciate that. But man. why not? This, this, yeah. it's, it's us, isn't it? So why not? Yeah. I mean, it's gritty. It's it's gritty. It's shitty. It's kind of factual. It's more or less like, Those you know, chillactual. Yeah, it's, it, dude, it's pure, true gonzo yeah. podcasting. 
That's what it, that's what it really there's is. There's not Rob, you got anything? My bad, David. Go on, go on. I was just gonna say there's not um there's not too many crimes that take place that don't involve some form of intrigue, corruption, violence, whatever. Um yeah. especially yeah. in the world of true crime. And like I keep saying, it's not to glorify it. Um, we're no different to train spotters or someone that watches airplanes. It's just that our passion lies in organised crime, and organised crime is uh, a very, very dark, um, um, dangerous, uh, serious yeah, it's, world. It's, and um, it's, it's real, man. There's real life consequences. Real life, and that's what it shows. Yeah, that's exactly what it shows that you are responsible for the decisions you take. And I think organised crime exactly. very much highlights that fact. Exactly, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you if you guys drunk. give me two seconds, <laughs> if you guys give me two seconds, I gotta sell a Bible real quick. I know that sounds weird, but hey, no, I'm I'm happy. I mean, I've had a great time, mate. This, I mean, Christmas Eve with my two best mates from America, ah, discussing one of my favorite subjects. Yeah. How, how much better does Merry it get? Christmas, yeah, I love it. I love just it. Just awesome, guys. Absolutely awesome. I love you guys, man. Same to you, brother. I can send it. Yeah, I got tons. Okay. All right. I'll send some. Thank you. Yeah, I no, think we should, we should do an uh, episode soon on, um, you know, because since it's Christmas Eve, I figured I'd mention and see if our listeners would like to hear it. An episode on uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas and Rosemary Uva, the couple who were made famous from the movie Rob the Mob and Wannabe. They uh, robbed the mafia social clubs. They were killed um, off. Yeah, they were killed on this day in 1992. Okay, yeah, sounds oh, good. They were killed. Yeah, they were killed Christmas Eve um, morning. Um, nine, oh, I think it was about nine o'clock in the morning. They were killed. It was um, they left their house to do some last minute Christmas shopping, and uh, they came to one intersection, and uh, that's when they got they got shot. Yeah, he's like, he, he, Ian Rob sounds like he knows too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much. Too much. <laughs> I just, I just watched the movie Wannabe again the uh the other day. So and I knew because it was Christmas, I wanted to write a piece on it. And uh, so I, I think it would be a good uh good episode. No, to do. yeah, that's also uh, loosely what uh True Romance is about too. Yep. But yeah, hell yeah, bro. I'm uh, I'm absolutely down with that. I I love diets. I love when two people verse the world and it never works out for them. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Story of life. Story of life, bro. Story of life. Yeah, exactly. But hell no, we're, uh, we're going to get the fuck out of here because I'm drunk and these boys have carried me long enough. <laughs> uh, thanks for a terrific fucking holiday here at fucking Holloway, Holiday Hideaways. <laughs> Hideaway Holiday. That's fun. Say that 10 times fast, everybody. Hideaway Holloway. Yeah, Merry Christmas to both you guys. Merry Dave, Christmas. please tell Kelly I, uh, I said Merry Christmas. Shoot about that. Hey, Merry yeah, Christmas to both that. your mom and Callie, Merry Christmas. I'm hammered. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, she said, guys. And a Merry Christmas hey. and Happy New Year to absolutely everybody. And may your 2021 be what my hashtag is, what can be. <laughs> there we go right there. All right, we're out, we're of, out here. of here. Thank Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Wait up. Love you too.